Hello and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. My name is Lincoln and today Rhonda Brightonhall joins us on the podcast, the CEO and founder of Moi, to talk about one of the ideas that is central to the work that Moi does every single day, and that is belonging. If you are new to the podcast, this is an opportunity for you to get to know what is central to our work. And if you're someone that's listened in before, we're going to dive a little deeper into what Rhonda and the Moi team have discovered about this core idea. Rhonda, thank you for joining us. Absolute pleasure to be here on my most favourite topic as one of my favourite people. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) So belonging is fundamental to what you do. Where did that passion come from? There's a moment in your life where you realise that so many pieces of your life have come together on a topic and for me this is it I got this job you know as the first the first girl they gave a degree traineeship to a BHP very exciting and I thought whoa I've worked hard I've made it Woo, I was so excited and then I got there and I was like the only girl and it suddenly hits you that you're not really there you're sort of there but you're an example of what could be as opposed to actually belonging If I go across from there, I did a lot of work with the autism community. My little boy was profoundly autistic. And so I got to work with them on understanding they kept talking about wanting to get a job, but it wasn't just about getting a job. What they wanted was to feel they belong, to participate properly, to be embraced, to be received well. And so that's a whole different conversation than can I get through a recruitment process, which is very perfunctory in terms of process. And then I went into banking and there was a conversation about, they were talking about people like us and whether someone was suitable to be more senior in the organisation because they came from Wollongong and did they understand people like us? And I sat there thinking, I'm a people like us from Wollongong, (laughs) so maybe I'm not people like us either. And all of a sudden you realise that you don't really belong. So I think it's these moments in your life where you, you either profoundly understand it for yourself because you can feel it, or you profoundly understand someone else desperately in need of it and not being able to get it and sort of working out what does that mean and and what do we need to do so that we can all feel like that. And so for me, it's these threads right through different conversations, personal work, whatever they happen to be, to getting to this point where all of us should feel that we belong, that we never have to walk in and feel I'm here by weird invitation or I'm here as a moment or I'm not deeply belonging like I should because when we deeply belong, a whole bunch of things change. We're more confident, we can be creative, we sort of step up and I think that that really becomes a different conversation. You mentioned there are a few of the things that belonging enables, like creativity and confidence. And of course, everyone listening has had their own lived experiences of belonging, not belonging, how that makes them feel. But what do we know about the science of it from the data? What do we know about belonging? So let's come at it from two sides. So the first thing is we know what happens when we feel like we belong. So when we feel like we belong, we're more confident. That's the first thing. We're more creative because we're confident. We can throw an idea out, throw a question out, ask, I belong here, I'm entitled to an answer. You should be supporting me. I trust you to support me. Here's my questions. And then from that comes things like trust. And interestingly, collaboration. We did the peer review on an ANU study on collaboration and how that's based on trust and confidence. And it makes perfect sense. And so It's good for individuals to feel like that because they're not so wrapped up in angst, but equally it's good for the group or the organisation, the team to feel like that because 
people will give their best efforts. They'll throw their best out. And the example from ANU study was really interesting because people were saying things like, I've got a little bit of information because I'm fairly new or whatever it happens to be. And someone's asking me to give up my information. If I feel like I belong, in other words, more information will come to me so I can give up the one piece I have. I'll give it up honestly with generosity. If I don't feel like there's any more coming, I hang on tight, hold a bit back because I might not have anything else. And so trust and collaboration go hand in hand. All these things that we rely on for teams and individuals to work well are actually deeply connected and they're connected from the moment we feel like we belong. This is something that you and the team have been researching for years now. What is its relevance now? We started looking at it in 2017, but probably thinking about it for many years before that. But we started doing it because connectedness, the ability to build community became effectively a proxy for what is organizational culture it's community how do you build a community where people can feel that they belong and so we took the work of Peter Block and obviously the pandemic we were going through at that stage and I would argue still are is the pandemic of loneliness and Peter Block talks about in his book community the structure of belonging it's called he talks about transforming the isolation of our communities into connectedness. And we started to work with people like architects. How do you build a built environment that's less lonely? How do you build through a property developer? How do you build connected communities within apartment blocks? Things like that. So that became sort of the thrust of it for that loneliness piece. Now, what we've gone through with COVID is the world's biggest psychological experiment. And we almost started only talking about COVID and we forgot this pandemic of lack of connectedness and loneliness was running concurrently with it. And when they hit each other, that's actually the point at which we learned so much and can understand so much, but we were sort of closed off to one half of it. So I think this conversation around connectedness, building community, belonging to community is more relevant now than it's ever been and increasingly so. What you're framing up is much deeper than the current conversation that is dominating the headlines about the great resignation, about people changing jobs or, or reevaluating their priorities, which is of course part of it. But you're speaking to something deeper than that, something that runs further than just work and business, but something much, much greater. Mm. I think things like when we get this jargonistic approach to a lot of business stuff, we talk about, you know, the big blah, 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 whatever it happens to be. In this case, it's the big resignation. But the big resignation is just people moving around the labour market. Like, it's like, okay, go for your life. <laughs> and our stats are actually not showing that it's any bigger or different than it is any other time of, of life. So I think the big psychological experiment, if people need the word big in front of something to take it seriously, is a much, much, much more interesting conversation. I mean, this is a shared experience where we understood what it was like to go through being locked away from each other, being connected only through visual virtual screens, as opposed to the way we would normally connect to people, laughter, close to someone sitting in a cafe, I mean, whatever it happens to be. And these impacts are massive. And that's the thing we shared. And we learned so, so much, both individually, but also collectively, that we can have a much, much better conversation about how connection works for each of us and how it works collectively, what's important in that connection. And if we want to, progressively, we can talk about how that impacts our work we do together or how we collaborate and all the rest of it. So that big psychological experiment, I think, is where the conversation's at. And I think it's a much, much more open space than talking about an individual's reasons 
and why they might join one company versus another. I mean, the reality is we still all need to go to work, to connect to community, to participate in the economy, all the things that we, we have been doing for centuries. So this is still, I think, the much bigger conversation if we're going to have a competitive big off, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm curious, do you, do you feel that there is... Are we in the middle of this experiment? Are we just at the beginning? Are we nearing some kind of key learning or result? Where are we? I think we're in the middle of it. I think there's still a lot to learn. I think we've we've learned the basics of it. So we know what it's like to be locked away. Um, now we know what's important to us. We know something old folks homes have known for years, skin hunger. I mean, this feeling that you just want someone to touch your shoulder occasionally. I mean, that's what we saw. And because we talked about the transactional stuff, like, can I homeschool my kids? Can I do this while working? All that sort of stuff, which is also, you know, traumatic and I get it. But we didn't talk about what it's like to have no kids in your house or no people. You're literally by yourself. And so that's a very interesting conversation because what we're seeing from the psychological data and the medical data is actually the people who've gone through COVID alone, could be old people, could be single people, whatever, have actually fared much worse than those people traumatically homeschooling their kids or whatever it might be. But we didn't look for that data point because we were looking for the loud data point or the fun data point. The fun data point is I'm trying to do my work and my kid interrupts. That's fun, right? We love that. But it's not fun to sit there and go, it's really, really shitty to be in my apartment by myself, or it's really shitty to be in a share accommodation with three people that I barely know, sharing the dining room table while we try to work. And so that's not funny. That doesn't make cute story. It doesn't make a cute video. And so those conversations have gone down undercover almost. And we're only just now starting to unearth them and say, what does it really mean to be disconnected, to not be with people? And I think that's a not only an important conversation. It's it's a much more profound conversation about how we want to be. We live in a society that prioritises the individual and asks individuals to make all kinds of choices uh, based on what's good for them and their plan and not just ideas of ambition or success, but also just survival and getting through it on an individual level. Would you say this experiment that we're in is teaching us about the value of the collective Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> because we're still talking about the individual decisions and why we make them and what's behind them. And all of those things are important for each of us, of course. But there's a collectivism beyond it that is much more important. And it's that connection to the collective that actually drives a different level of happiness, purpose, life, whatever you want to call that. And so when we look at it, and a lot of the data that we've been working through with belonging over a period of time, it's a little bit like when we used to talk about inclusion and people would say, I have permission to bring my whole self to work. And you're like, wow, that is such a deficit conversation where you need my permission to bring you to work. Wouldn't it be better if both of us expected to bring ourselves to work and bring the best we could be rather than permission from either side? So not bring yourself to work, but it's important you both turn, we both turn up at our best. And I think that's the conversation we can have now about our capacity to create belonging for others. And every time we see someone who's got a really strong sense of belonging, it isn't about my needs have been met, one, two, three, four. It's not like that. It's I feel like I belong because I can create belonging for you. 
And if I can create belonging for you and others, or you can create it for me and others, then we start to bond. And then we need to start talking about not just for the groups that are close to us, but more broadly. And the real power of belonging is when we can include people who aren't like us. So there's a beautiful story. Michael Bond is another one of those guys like Peter Block that I'm a huge fan of. And he wrote a beautiful book called The Power of Others. And it's all about peer pressure, group think, and how people around us shape our behavior every day. But inside there, there's a really cute story that he talks about where there's three people who work really, really closely together and they love it. They back each other. They've known each other. They're really tight. And they talk about how important that group is to them. And then he talks about what it's like to be the fourth and fifth person in that group. The number of times I've had that conversation with people where they're one of the three and they go, we're in it and it's really important to us, but equally to the fourth and fifth person go, I'd, I'd really like to join if it's okay. <laughs> and then what does it take for one of the three to open up that group for a fourth or a fifth or beyond? And when they start to do that, the feeling they get of connection, not just to the original three, but more broadly out to the four or five, but most importantly to their power to make that even bigger than four or five is suddenly a very very different feeling of belonging different feeling of power a different feeling of being able to create something special that's when we're talking about belonging and there's so many examples that we can see through this psychics frame we've talked to the negative of it and there's certainly some tough stats coming through but there's another one that's really really beautiful which is an organization here in sydney called addy road or addison road community center and so they've got together the most eclectic group of people, some of them very famous people. Um, Craig Foster is in there as a, a famous footballer, of course. But there's also all these unfamous people who've come in and joined. <laughs> and what they're doing is creating food packages, packages for victims of domestic violence, refugees. So they're making food packages for people who, at the moment, are living in some of the suburbs with the highest levels of unemployment. Could be a regional town, could be here in Sydney. And they've been able to create a collective purpose through all walks of life, homeless people, all sorts of people coming together, creating belonging or usefulness, relevance to people who they don't even know. And now we're talking about a really good sense of purpose, belonging, connection, because it's not just I'm okay, we're okay, but now it's and so are they. And that sort of breadth of belonging to be societal or community-based is, I think, incredibly powerful. For people who are listening, what can we do beyond joining Addy Road and initiatives like that? <laughs> what are the ways that we can create this feeling of belonging for others? I think that's a really good question. And I think we know the answer to it only when we stop thinking about ourselves. And I know that sounds really glib and I don't mean it to, or even sort of from the mountain, you know, I don't mean to sound like that either. But it's this feeling that if you got up this morning and instead of feeling, am I sad or am I happy? And how can I enhance my feelings of that, of happiness? If you got up in the morning and said, who could I make happier? Who could I create belonging for? Who could I connect to that may need that today? I reckon you'd have a better day than if you just listed out things that make me happy and tried to do them more often. Yeah. And if you think about it from an organization perspective or a leader perspective or an employee colleague perspective which choose your role is that's actually a really interesting role if you went to work and said not only how can I do great work what is important to me but actually 
What can I do to make someone else's day better? What can I do to enhance your ability to do great work? What can we then do to help others do great work or feel that they're really confidently, we've got their back as well? Because when you all feel like that, you start to create something very, very special. Rhonda, what a beautiful place to wrap this up. Thank you for sharing your insights and also your passion for this topic. It's so clear that you're someone who loves to read, watch, listen, everything to do with it. You have this wealth of knowledge inside of you. So thank you for sharing it with us. It's my pleasure. And I love the conversation with people who are thinking about how we could do it. And that's how I always feel when I'm talking with you. I feel like it's sort of a common shared goal that somehow we can make this a bit better for everybody. And I imagine it is too for all of our listeners as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope that you have a fabulous day where not only you can feel like you belong, but you can create that feeling for others as well. Mm -hmm.